This show is part of the Planetside Podcast Network. For more information, go to planetsidepodcasts.com. And thank you for listening. Welcome to I Shouldn't Have to Say This, where we discuss topics we believe deserve some critical and nuanced thinking. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email saythiscast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at saythiscast. Also visit saythiscast.pinecast.co for previous episodes. So, say you're a game enthusiast that spends a lot of time online. You like to keep up with game news, you talk with other gamers about what's happening with this or that company, or this or that website. Suddenly, someone brings up an alarming situation. The woman who made a well-reviewed game was sleeping with people who reviewed the games. Immediately there is anger. How dare she sully something so good and so pure? This is outrageous! Someone speaks up. Wait, you're getting this from her ex-boyfriend, right? Do you think this is reliable? Do you think the reviews and the relationships are related or not? Did they even happen at the same time? Guys? Hello? Is this thing on? But it's too late. The doubt and anger have metastasized. This is the time of Gamergate. Gamergate, a movement started in late 2014, was purportedly about taking game reviewers and websites to task for being unethical or overly political. Some still say that this was the main thrust of it all, but it all started with an angry boy throwing a surprising amount of personal details about his ex-girlfriend online, and it never really got away from that, or just the generalized hatred of women in the gaming sphere. These sprawlings were made public, and then as the anger about it was at its peak, a new video in a series critiquing video games from a feminist perspective by Anita Sarkeesian was published. The worst kind of bad timing. Both of these women were doxxed, harassed, and the gators moved on to other women, starting an avalanche of abuse. We know that this was about women in gaming, because there were virtually no men that were caught up in it, save for those that spoke out in support of these women or against the gators themselves. Arguably, this is the start of a boom in anger and self-loathing churning up the nerd community today. These hate-filled movements start with a ripple of half-truth that then turns into a tsunami of resentment. Resentment that can be taken advantage of by politicians, businessmen, or hate groups. Part of why we have seen so many people supporting those like Donald Trump and Steve King is a backlash of increased multiculturalism and cultural evolution. Inclusivity an expectation of equality that was not present before. People speaking up and out. If you feel like you were powerful and now are getting pushed down to live with everybody else, the next step can be pretty welcoming. Fascism. I'm talking about fascism. But we'll get to that in a second. Maybe I shouldn't have to say this, but the ego of the privileged is easily manipulated if they feel like they are losing ground. When they find something they can focus this frustration on, that resentment can be harnessed, monetized, and used to cement a power base 
from which more harm can be done. Hey podcast listeners, welcome to this week's episode of I Shouldn't Have to Say This. This week we're going to be talking about propaganda, in particular pop culture critique on the right. So, Ray. Yeah. Woo. Um, so people like The Quartering or One Angry Gamer and a lot of other accounts that are too small to be worth talking about. And the reason why this is worth talking about is because this reactionary pop culture critique has a tendency, we've noticed, to radicalize people to further right-leaning politics. In particular, it creates the perfect storm for them to start easing themselves into fascistic ways of thought, or rather, the perfect conditions for fascistic ways of thought to occur. It's like a gateway drug. Yeah. So when I say fascistic thoughts, I mean something really specific. I'm not talking about like a specific point in history or anything. I'm talking about fascism as the ideology. So in order to talk about this, and before we get into the wild shit, we need to lay out some basic terminology that I'll refer back to throughout the episode. And so, here are a few characteristics of fascist ideology, or kind of the conditions that you need in order for fascism to exist. Perhaps most importantly, fascism is a cult of tradition. The people who engage in fascism have a desire to return to the traditional ways of the past. It's why all fascists are reactionary in nature. Make America great again. Exactly. So you've heard the saying, make America great again. The 50s are really better than right now. Modernity sucks. These are things that aren't necessarily fascistic. However, for fascism to exist, there must be among a proportion of the population, a desire to return to the past and reject the characteristics of modernity. So think of, you know, when you go on social media and you see some white people talking about a bartender with a pint of beer clasped between her butt cheeks and she fills it at the um, bar that's a video, and the reactionaries and fascists lost their minds over it because that is a characteristic of modernity which they disagree with. I'm sorry, hold on. What? I'm going to link a tweet in the show notes. A person named Paul Joseph Watson, notable Nazi, or at the very least a white supremacist, I don't know if he's like actually a neo-Nazi. He is. Um, <laughs> but... He posted a tweet last week, I believe, about this woman. And in this video, this bartender, she took a empty beer glass and she put it between her butt cheeks. And then she like walked a little bit with it clasped between her butt. And she turned around and she filled it all the way and then it like the there's too much foam and so she wiggled her butt and the foam spilled out of the cup and then they filled it all the way up and he was like this is why the terrorists hate us this is modernity or something <laughs> of that nature 
<laughs> I'll link it in the show notes. It's um hilarious. That specifically. Isis sees that and like, oh, screw them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So number one, the cult of tradition, a rejection of modernity. Number two, the idea that you are under attack. And it's because of something having to do with your identity. So in Nazi Germany, the Germans didn't just decide, like, oh, let's kill some Jews because we don't like them. For a certain percentage of the population, these people really believed that the Jews were going to destroy their way of life, that they would no longer exist if the Jews were allowed to live. In order for fascism to exist, there must be a belief that there is a group of people that is there to genocide you. So, certain Americans and their feelings about the Mexicans. They're here to take our jobs and fuck our women and whatever the fuck, or, or whatever, so on and so forth. It's an invasion. It's an invasion. Migrants coming from horrible conditions over hundreds of miles they show up at the border that is an invasion yeah they're coming for us or that neat statistic where they say by 2050 white people will be like the minority in this country they refer to that statistic as white genocide so the idea that the people of color are marrying the white women in order to cause miscegenation and destroy the white race i can i can confirm that's a that's the only reason why I did it. That's I'm sure it. your wife will love that. <laughs> she doesn't listen anyway. It's fine. <laughs> Literally the only reason. All right. So now that that's out of the bag. And also, I just want to uh, say, as we're getting to this, we are going to be talking about, uh, obviously, fascism or fascistic. I can't say that. The thing that you said, fascistic, is that it? Yeah, fascistic. You got cool it. that um we're gonna be talking about that Id ideology so um clearly we're we're running over godwin's law here S just with a truck yeah so strap it yeah we're gonna um. be talking about some terrible people who think some terrible things but yeah. lucky for you we're only gonna be talking about the outer layer of the onion so your eyes shouldn't tear up too bad right but obviously german uh, fascism and other kinds of fascism it are going to come up in the conversation so yeah just want to put that out there yeah so um number two to get back to things is the idea that your people are under attack and that given the fact that you are under assault that any action to stop that assault is now justified because it would be self-defense. Third of all, and this is the third characteristic and, and like the last one we're going to be talking about here for the most part, the idea that that enemy that is attacking you successfully is simultaneously cucked and weak, but also so insidious and powerful that you should be so scared that you would need to annihilate the other group of people. It's an interesting dichotomy. Yeah, it is contradictory. 
Yes. Something to remember when you talk about fascism is that it is not a coherent worldview. It is intentionally confusing. Fascists and like other reactionaries love to say facts don't care about your feelings, but their ideologies are feels over facts 100% of the time. Yeah. Truly, it makes no sense. So when we talk about these things, which I will throughout this episode, I want everybody listening to recognize that I know that the things that are coming out of my mouth sound absolutely off the walls wild, like unbelievable beyond the pale. Yeah. People believe this shit, though, and they're all around you right now. It can be that if you take those three things and put them on top of a a person that feels a person of privilege that feels like that power is being taken away it they can wrap that around themselves like a warm blanket yeah and that is how insidious it is yeah just oh i'm i am powerless except i am also the most powerful and when i was in charge it was better yeah that's those are those three things and if you think about it like it's in it can be very comforting which is like i said insidious and frightening yeah if all of your problems are the result of other people then it's pretty easy to solve your problem you kill them Mm-hmm. or otherwise oppress them. If it's mm-hmm. your fault, then it's infinitely more difficult. And so fascism to somebody who is being sold it, a white man perhaps, who's disaffected, it's a pretty easy sell. And that's why we're talking about far-right media criticism. Because this is the first tier where people start in the um, alt-right pipeline, as you might call it, which is a concept that you can Google. There are some great explanations. But essentially, it means the process by which a fairly normal individual starts engaging in content and rhetoric that pushes them further and further into radicalized far-right belief systems. So, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, now that we got that out of the way. <laughs> yeah. That was a lot of talking. So, what do I mean when I say far right media criticism? That's the other thing I wanted to talk about. Broadly, there's a community of YouTubers and bloggers whose claim to fame and entire and entire professional careers revolve around being anti-social justice warriors. Social justice warriors means a person or people who are seemingly interested in social justice, but they aren't super committed to it, but they just want to like ruin people's good time. Um, it's not... The assumption here by anti-SJWs is that the SJWs are trying to bring the political into what is fundamentally not political. And so they position themselves as being 
non-political. Even though being non-political... Is a political statement. It's a political stance, yes. However, these people also, because of their positioning, get to say some insane shit to people. I know that's ableist, sorry. But some wild shit to people that's super polarized. And then tell people, well, we just want to keep politics out of games. Or movies. Or movies. Or, or comics. Or what, whatever media. Yeah. And so there are a few core tenets of the anti-SJW content agenda. Number one, media cannot be good without white men in it if the main character and cast members aren't white men then they're automatically tokens or if the woman isn't sexualized then it's sjw propaganda diversity is always pandering white genocide is being depicted in media because redheads are showing up less that's a real point yeah that that black black uh characters are replacing redheaded characters specifically that's about the level of media criticism you're getting here and it might shock you to understand that it's entirely bullshit one of the they lie a lot is what i'm trying to say mm. so one of their the mainstays currently of um anti-sjw content is the phrase go woke go broke so they're saying in order for media companies to continue to be successful, they can't go woke because the woke shit sells less. So they will honestly, with a straight face, say the Captain Marvel didn't make any money. Captain Marvel made over a billion dollars in revenue. Yeah, but Disney bought half those tickets. We're going to get into... Yeah, so I'm going to spoil it for you. They think it's the juice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry. <laughs> Honestly, I did not see that coming. I didn't read this. I didn't read the outline for this show. That's not even in the outline. It's just okay. So this is a small aside that I w I won't do many asides during this. But understand that their ideas about like why go woke go broke is a reality is um. The people aren't buying tickets to go see this woke bullshit. Nobody wants it. But the coastal elites in Hollywood keep on interjecting their political agenda in order to push black people and queer people and women um, into the public eye for reasons that are too obscure for me to understand. However, Coastal elite? It's just a fancy way of saying the Jews. It it's all true. comes back to the Jews. Yeah. If you know a Republican, like, start asking them about George Soros. <laughs> you can get every Republican in your life to be weird about the Jews if you know the right trigger words, is what I'm trying to say. But anyways. I will say... Not every Republican. I I know at least one that would that wouldn't happen. 
I've never talked to her, but I've also never talked to a Republican that I can't get to be at least a little bit weird about the Jews. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> like, challenge accepted. <laughs> if you find one, I don't believe you, but sure. Um, everything they say about the elites, if you just dig a little bit deeper. But anyways... That's a full aside now. I didn't mean it to go that long. <laughs> All right, so back to the point. The inclusion of diversity, though, is always pandering. These people in Hollywood, these execs, are pushing their political agenda and nobody's taking to it, despite an overwhelming pool of evidence to suggest the dead-ass opposite. And the idea is that anytime reality doesn't match what their perception of reality is that there is like some sort of shadowy cabal manipulating things behind the scene to make it appear like people are actually really into captain marvel or really like outer worlds things like that the core conceit here the thing that you have to remember is that White men are getting the short side of the stick. There are less men who are being cast as leads. The ones that are are cucks and um let's uh pause here. If you can give the like when you say cuck, <laughs> let's give a definition of how, what you mean by that. Okay, so cuck it means cuckold, but the way that right-wingers use cuck it really just means a weak man or like a weak ideology. It's a. Uh... We don't have to go into the origins of the word. Yeah. Uh, it's just someone that sh should be strong, but is weak, like a like a beta. Yeah. So like that. But the idea is that, like, media is cucked and there's an agenda that's specifically out to get men and that their favorite media is being invaded by people of color and women and whatnot. Now, I really shouldn't have to point out how that ideology right there mirrors the characteristics of fascist thought. There is a group of people that is living happily, and then there is an invading force that is simultaneously weak and cucked, but also existentially deadly and threatening to the, uh, to the in-group, and they must be excised from that community. This is an idea that reactionary pop culture critique spreads. Your favorite media is being invaded by Anita Sarkeesian. Doctor Who is, is now a woman, and that destroys the world. Yeah, it means that men no longer get to be men. They no longer get to enjoy media. And, you know, they were the only people who enjoyed nerd media in the first place. In their minds, of course. It's mm. not it's not true. No. You're talking to a couple verified nerds right now. Yeah, and you're old enough that it counts. I'm like 
<laughs> I, I'm 25, so sometimes the people that I talk to are like a little bit older than me, and they're like, "You jumped on the bandwagon." And it's like, well, I've been like a big old fucking nerd since I was like four. <laughs> just lay it out there. Just... <laughs> You're old enough to. Okay, never mind. Uh, okay i'm saying that your argument your argument is stronger they say that i jumped on the bandwagon despite Mm. it being my entire life i spent uh engaged in nerd culture but they cannot make that same argument for you you've been alive longer than most of the people saying that shit (laughs) here's the thing that's not true i have heard that for me as well like i go to like, uh, to play role-playing games or something, and some gatekeeper comes up and says, like, well, why are you here or something? That this is, even though I have been a huge, huge nerd since the early 80s, this is something that still happens. Jesus. Yes. Are they older than you? Just slightly. But sometimes, uh, sometimes younger. Yeah. Young- Younger, definitely, but, like- people my age that this is something that um like especially like black nerds have had to deal with since the 70s yeah like why are you watching star trek like stuff like that it's it's insane yeah it's insane but i'm just saying that like when young people and the majority of nerds are like you know on the younger side um or at least the ones that are engaged in internet culture um so they say, you know, you're jumping on the bandwagon and you're like, Sunny boy, I've been playing this bullshit since before you were a twinkle in your mama's eye. Before the sperm <laughs> was even developed in your father. <laughs> um, I don't get to say that. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> Apparently I get to say Sunny boy now. News to me. But I, you know what? I'm going to lean into it. <laughs> only say it to people who are being boomers but yeah. are like 25 <laughs> <laughs> but um that's the main conceit of the episode just to talk about how reactionary pop culture critique creates this sense of victimhood that is necessary for indoctrination into further right-leaning thought and this is not to say that like the people who like the quartering or like rags or one angry gamer are fascist today. I don't want to say that. They're disaffected white boys who were probably bullied in high school and have a chip on their shoulder that are searching for a reason why they're lonely and they feel like they're social pariahs. And fascism appeals to them. And being treated like a victim, the victim complex appeals to them because it explains their negative emotions. Right. So I thought that it'd be nice to spend a little bit of time talking about uh, some real life examples of this shit. Because it's important to understand that this actually happens. Like I've laid out the framework. But, like, you really have to see it happen to believe it. I have a couple. But um, one that I know from the outside, but not intimately, is um, the whole entire Star Wars debacle. 
Um, mm. And the way that uh, white nerds have reacted to Ray and what's Rose. The, what's the guy's name? I don't like Star Wars. I'm coming. <laughs> I, I, I don't give a fuck about it. I don't like The Last Jedi, but it's not because I'm like a reactionary. I just don't like it. I don't like any Star Wars. I only like the games. And only the I mean, older public. The older public only. The new ones. Not the not not Jedi Outcast, really. I don't think I played that. <laughs> nah, that was that was like in two thousand. I mean, if you want me to take over, take the Star Wars thing, then I yeah. can. No, yeah, I I wanted you to take the Star Wars thing because I've seen it from the outside, but I'm not like a big fan of the uh, content, so I wouldn't be able to speak to the finer points of the argument. Gotcha. So take it away. There's this saying um among uh star wars fans and that it has been true for years and years like even before all of this major stuff happened um nobody hates star wars more than star wars fans and it's it's very true there have been star wars fans ever since 1977 when the, when uh the first star wars came out um and anytime that there is some sort of advancement some sort of change or something like that there the the star wars fans like the vocal minority rise up and say this is terrible you're ruining my childhood and this is going going to be a refrain that you hear all over the place especially in this reactionary pop culture critique thing it's ruining my childhood you've destroyed my childhood this is a dumb thing to say so when the first movie of the sequel trilogy meaning the force awakens came out there was everybody was excited and there was a lot of buzz and then they saw that ray the uh the main character was a woman and these people freaked out they freaked the hell out uh the other person was a black man it, it was a black stormtrooper he was a black stormtrooper which Everybody said, there can't be black stormtroopers. What are you doing? It was the weirdest argument. Like, people are saying, you can't... You don't know who's under these, these helmets. It doesn't matter. Anyway. <laughs> after the movie came out, and it made all the money, there were these people that started making YouTube videos about how Star Wars was... Uh, being taken over by the SJW cabal, or how the uh, the new head of Lucasfilm, Kathleen Kennedy, because she's a woman, is trying to push some sort of feminist agenda onto 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 their Star Wars. This had this created a basically a cottage industry of YouTube channels that just complained about Star Wars. And this has been going on since the first movie came out in 2015. They were calling Rey a Mary Sue. The way that they describe a Mary Sue is a character that can do no wrong, that always wins, even when they shouldn't. They are so powerful that everybody, that nobody can beat them or anything like that. They are calling Rey a Mary Sue as a as an insult because they think that this is part of this feminist woke agenda when in reality this is not the case it's it's a power fantasy movie she has she has force powers it 
it's just a movie. And that 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 really gets to the point. A lot of these people are taking Star Wars as a focal point of this crazy campaign to try to fight against this imagined enemy. This uh this this insidious plot by Kathleen Kennedy to insert these these characters and these situations into Star Wars. When The Last Jedi came out, it was already a really crazy time. People kept talking about Rey and about all this stuff about the 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 Force Awakens. The Last Jedi comes out. Then we have more diverse characters. We have a character that is I believe um she's played by a Korean actress. We have uh, a woman that has purple hair. She, <laughs> um, she. There, there are all these things. They uh, and everybody flipped the hell out, especially because the the white male characters were basically pushed aside. There, most of the white male characters were not in the forefront, and I think that is the biggest thing about these cr critics of the of the last jedi they're freaking out because the only the like the only men that are really in front are a hispanic man and a black man there's one white guy and he's the evil guy yeah and no matter what other the, like issues you might have with the last jedi those are the main reasons why people are pissed off you might hear people say oh because the story is did this or because there's no chemistry here or anything when you really drill down to what they're talking about it's because they don't want a korean woman in their star wars in and again in their star wars somehow they have taken owner ownership of it exactly and it so this is why uh the woman that plays uh rose in uh the last jedi she was chased offline for for a little while uh she she closed down her social media accounts because people kept hounding her the director of the last jedi he has taken so much heat over the last two years a consistent amount of hatred being spewed towards the towards his way there have been directors and people that might have been involved in star wars that actually said no i'm not going to do it because i'm not going to deal with this toxicity mm -hmm. and this is they're giving up millions of dollars and a steady paycheck for at least a decade yeah. so you can see how horrible it has become so there are so now there's this cottage industry of this of people hating on star wars and that since there's only been two star wars movies that has ballooned into talking about the same things in other genre media so that would be like marvel movies like we mentioned before captain marvel or um black panther black panther exactly and all of this is is coming to a head and uh as a star wars fan as a star wars fan since i was a kid it's 
it's frightening how yeah. fast and how strong this came up the the most hate that star wars got before this was in the 90s with the uh with the prequel trilogy which were bad movies they were <laughs> so it was understandable how because mm -hmm. we all hated on it um a little bit too much actually because one of the actors contemplated suicide which is really unfortunate jesus uh the, yeah the guy that that played jar jar he got so much hate and again this is the toxicity the star that star wars fans hate star wars the most he got so much hate that he contemplated like suicide it, it, he came out about this just a few years ago it's terrible god damn yeah so this is really like there have been there's been toxicity and hatred from star wars fans since basically the beginning because the the because people take ownership of it they think it's theirs and when someone changes something they flip out yeah this has been multiplied exponentially since the last jedi came out and we're actually seeing a backlash of that since the rise of skywalker came out like people hating on the rise of skywalker the way that people hated on the last jedi it's a whole it's a whole thing to add on to that it occurred to me that The Last Jedi kind of released at an advantageous time. Uh, you mean The Force Awakens? Yeah. Right before 2015 and 2014. Oh, looky there. Oh. -ho. Gamergate was a thing. This was truly the advent of reactionary game criticism in the mainstream. That's right. People getting out of their heads angry about the feminist 101 critique of their video games or the idea that maybe video games could have more diversity in it. This is something that affects the game industry today. And something that's important to remember about all of this and goes to what Genre was saying about ownership is that a lot of these people, these disaffected, let's be honest, white boys, take ownership of their nerd community in a way that well-adjusted people cannot understand. To them, it is their identity. Gamer with a capital G. Star Wars fans with a capital F. It is more important to them than their race. Because they're living in a world where they feel like it's shameful to be white, and so they can't take pride in that, so they take the same type of pride that they think that they should have for being white, and they put it into these various hobbies that they have. It's That's right. deeply destructive. This is, they say it's the only thing we have left, and yeah. you're taking it away from us. Yeah, and so if you convince them that these things are being taken away from them and the and like you have to strike back and all of this stuff and you get them in a low enough place that the the very bottom most of that is when you get people who are 
ready for the message. Hey, you know, this isn't just about Star Wars. This isn't just about your video games. This is really about white people, white men. There's an assault on them. And then they can be radicalized from there. Sometimes by the very communities where this type of criticism happens, and sometimes from people who invade those spaces. I shouldn't have to say this, but the internet is a dangerous place for somebody who is feeling disaffected, who's misanthropic, who doesn't feel like the world wants them. And it's this misanthropy and this feeling of victimhood that can lead a fairly normal person into more radical ways of thinking. And we have to be careful online, and we have to facilitate change in a way that alerts everybody that they still have a place in the community, and that it's okay that there aren't so many fucking redheads in film. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right, Nicole, this this is the time in the show where we talk about what's good in our lives. So what is good in your life? All right. So this week, what's good in my life is what's good in my life always. Um, Nora, my dog. Um, your pupper? My, my pupper. She is uh, one and a half. She's a black lab mix and super nervous but very cute, and she runs my nerves constantly, but I love her dearly, and that makes me happy. And it doesn't. It probably won't make you happy, but if you um, go to my Twitter, which I'll, it'll be in the end part, then you can see pictures of her, but I don't upload them that um, regularly because you hoes don't deserve it. No one deserves that, the, the glory. Yeah, there's... The, the majesty of Nora. Yeah, I've essentially... Barely you, I probably, I'm thinking. Quite. I mean, I'm her mama. Mm. I deserve. I deal with her bullshit every day. <laughs> it's true. And her literal shit every day. Yeah, she better be cute. I feed her. Anyways, <laughs> what's good in your life? I have a library card. Ooh! So... <laughs> A little while, so I've been trying to, uh, all right, sorry. So I've been trying to not use a tablet or my phone, um, in bed, uh, to, when I'm trying to go to sleep because it does not help you go to sleep, it even does though not. everything is on there and it's wonderful and magical. But, but, uh, so I've been going through my library and I'm almost done. And it and I have no money, so <laughs> uh, it's hard to. It, I've been thinking like, oh, am I gonna have to use the tablet again? And then I remembered there's a library up the street. Uh... I live in a small town. This is a relatively small library. It is basically a one room schoolhouse with a basement, and I read graphic novels for the most part. That's that's what I read. They actually have a pretty robust graphic novel section 
in this tiny ass library. Wow. It's like three, four shelves of it. Amazing. Small shelves, but still. Yeah. And in Massachusetts, there's this thing called CW Mars, which is basically a statewide library system. So you can go online and see, okay, so there is a, this book that I want in Boston, which is on the other side of the state in the, in the, you know, the crappier part of the state. And they can transport it to me and drop it off at my library. I've been getting tons of books. It's great. Amazing. I read I love a how graphic... You, huh? I love how you called the blacker part of Massachusetts worse. <laughs> Racist. <laughs> Anyways, continue. It's true. <laughs> listen, listen. In Massachusetts, there, there are two halves of Massachusetts. There is the Grand Duchy of Boston. And then there are the, there's the Free People's Republic of Western Massachusetts. We're basically Vermont. <laughs> okay. So... And then there is the then there's the Cape where all the rich people live. And this sounds like a lot of information about a state so... that is ultimately unimportant. <laughs> it's it's true. So <laughs> I get I can I'm getting a ton of books. I read this great book, um, this great uh, graphic novel version of Forty Seven Ronin. Uh, which was just amazing, and it was illustrated by Stan Sakai, who is one of my favorite artists. So, when we say check out your local library, it's not just to learn stuff. It's also to read Batman. Yes, God. <laughs> so that's the end of the show. Hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to I Shouldn't Have to Say This. Uh, if you want to learn more about what we are talking about, then there's going to be links in the show notes. Just che check that out. Along with the links, uh, you'll see uh, links to our Gmail and our um, Twitter, which is saythiscast at gmail.com and saythiscast on Twitter. Um, Nicole, what is your Twitter? My Twitter is Jack of Free Trades, and that is the number three. And mine is Press Start Lock. Uh, you can also find stuff from Nicole at BlackGirlGaming.com and stuff from me from StartToContinue.com. All of the music on our show is by Mustin. So if you want to hear more Mustin music, then you can go to store.mustinenterprises. That is M-U-S-T-I-N.com. Store.mustinenterprises.com. Um, and if you have any thoughts or opinions or anything, we'd love to hear from you. DMs are open. If you want to support the show, you can always go to patreon.com slash say this cast. We have a bunch of cool stuff uh, coming down the line for you, like a premium podcast with Nicole complaining about different states. That should be a good time. I shouldn't have to say this is a collaboration between BlackGirlGaming.com and Planetside Podcasts. PlanetsidePodcast.com. All right. That was good. I we got think. through it. I think it's good. I liked it. It'll be fine. Did I talk too long about Star Wars? No. Okay. I I didn't have anything else to say. <laughs> <laughs>
I had my, I knew that this was going to happen because I had my conceit and sometimes I just feel very strongly about things and mm. feel like, no, this is fairly straightforward. I've said what I need to. <laughs> you just, just throw me to it. <laughs> yeah. And so I said, I need somebody to say things because otherwise I'll have to come up with examples and I could talk literally all day about it. <laughs>